I'm Joe. I'm Heather. I'm Keith. And this is the Dekahedron RPG Cast. Hi everyone! This is Joe. No James this week, but as you heard in the intro, we have guest hosts Heather and Keith today. You might remember Heather, she's been on twice before. She is my daughter. Keith is my son-in-law. And they have come up from the corny lands of Indiana to visit and we just spent the day at the Strong Museum of Play, which was pretty interesting. We saw the exhibit for Dungeons and Dragons in the uh, Toy and Game Hall of Fame. That was kind of neat. But anyway, you might remember that Heather was on back in December or so after a very first session ever playing RPG. After that, Jason called in and said, hey, it'd be great to have them on in like six months and see how their attitudes have changed and other stuff. I was like, that is a great idea. And they just happen to be here. So we are recording this. And so the first question I'm going to ask, and it's the question that Jason sent in, is when you talk about, if you talk about gaming to non-gamers now, what kind of reaction do you get? And we will start with Heather. I have a very strict balance between my work life and my personal life. So I don't tell the people I work with who are the people I see most what I do in my free time. What about you, Keith? Have you told anyone that you're gaming? Well, in my work as an Uber driver, I encounter a lot of people. So I get some people who are clueless. They just kind of have a blank stare about games of any kind. And then sometimes it'll be a completely like shocked reaction. Oh, you know what D&D is? You play that. And then we'll even talk about each other's characters. And it'll even go that far. Since you started, like six months ago, has your perspective changed on um, gaming? How has it changed if it has? Keith? Well, I've played console RPGs for a long time, and it was interesting to see the inverse of that. So I didn't understand things like one entire session can be one combat. I just had no idea that one combat versus a boss or something could take two hours, or that like a role-playing conversation could also take half or more of a session. That is very much game-dependent, the game you play. It would be hard to have a two-hour combat in, like, old D&D. I suppose it could be done if you were doing, like, massive armies. But, yeah, that would be difficult. Heather, how how has your perspective on gaming changed? It really hasn't. Your perspective hasn't changed, but what about experiences? Like, have your recent experiences been more enjoyable than your first experiences? Let's just say I am the Dungeon Master's favorite player in this game. Back me out, what as Tony said. She's right. All right, but that doesn't answer the question. <laughs> uh, it's easier to make decisions, and once you realize the possibilities are basically endless, it becomes more fun. And Keith? What's cool is, comparing to like a video game, the game is the DM, and the game is rolling out all the die for me. And I didn't realize that at all. So I see both in almost like the same light, but just as different things. So it's really a social thing is what I appreciate more. Because um, I've learned different things about my friends and Heather's personality. <laughs> we, we actually have questions about that coming up. <laughs> you find that there's any new challenges or frustrations that you have now that you didn't have when you first started? Everyone calls me indecisive. 
and slow, but they're mostly correct. Is that new? Has that developed over time, or were you were you like that from session number one? Probably about the same. It takes me a while to like finalize my decision, but it's because I'm an all or nothing kind of player. So wizard and kill everything or not. So just out of curiosity, does your GM do like an egg timer type thing or anything? At certain decisions, yes. All right. He started to do that. Only for you. That's That's not true. No, only for you. I I do the same thing or I do the, okay, we'll come back to you. And I go around the table and we'll get back to you. If you still have nothing, it'll go, okay, you're still trying to decide what to do this round. Just go on with the next round. Guess you might call me hardcore. Heather, what, what, what about you? Any uh, challenges, frustrations in gaming now more so than when you started? Slow players. <laughs> <laughs> I have a index card that says make a decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> something that does frustrate me. Yeah. Why is that? Not, it's not you. <laughs> Are some of the battles... Like when we're going up against a big boss, we don't know their experience. Keith will actually keep track. Not their experience, their, their strength, damage. their damage. Their hit points. Yeah. Their hit points. And then I'm a visual person, so not having a map. Oh, you play theater of the mind. That's what you call it when you don't have a map. So uh, some GMs lay out a map and they annotate where everything is. And the rules are very prescriptive. At least. You've played Path of Finder, Keith. So they lay mm-hmm. out exactly how many five-foot squares you can move and stuff like that. It's not my style of play. Favor of the mind is more my style of play. But, you know, different people like different things. Yeah. Well, we did have a map for one of our dungeons, but it had too much information on it. I just, like, want an outline. I don't know. I want to know where the rooms are. I just want a, like, basic layout. And I don't, because they just got it off the internet. So it told us where, like, all the secret passages were. And... <laughs> They didn't. They thought they printed a different one, but I just wanted like a we what, an outline. Is that what? Even just a skeleton of what what the structure looks like, structure or cave or whatever it might be. All right, that's still more than I would normally give. At most, I might tell you a good spot on the graph paper to start it, because you're responsible for making your own map. as we go along, explore my style of play. Again, there's no right or wrong style. It's what works for everyone. Well, I think that just lays out the feeling of exploring the unknown better. I think if we had more experience, we'd be able to do that. Because mm-hmm. we do have graph paper. I've okay. tried, but... So, in the six months that's gone by, have you played any other RPGs other than D&D? And yes, Pathfinder is just another version of D&D. So, Keith, anything else other than D&D? Not yet. Heather? No. I'm going to assume that most of these questions are going to be the same for just the this game- type. You played with us. It wasn't D&D. So the game that we played was called, I think we played White Box, which is really just a rewrite. Just like Pathfinder is D&D by another company. White Box, Fantastic Medieval Adventure game, is the original D&D by another company. So because of the open gaming license, people are able to just restate the rules differently. And so, yeah, even though it's a different game, it's still D&D. It's not. If you played something like GURPS or Fudge or Fate or Call of Cthulhu, they're very different in feel and stuff. So the next question we have: uh, Have you played with any other groups, or are you still just with this same group that you were with six months ago? Same group. Same group. 
no new players have floated in or out. We've invited my brother, but he plays with a different group. All right. We've talked about adding our GM's son to a game or two. How old is he? Eight. So he's just learning how to play. So he'd be like a come and go character, not a. So historically speaking, little ones play very differently because they're after a different experience. (laughs) And that is where the term munchkin actually originally comes from. It was talking about kids playing at the table. So what looking forward, any thoughts that things might change? You're going to stick with D&D? You're going to try something else? Someone different going to try GMing? Anything like that? Tony, our GM, is actually working on his own game for us, like his own campaign. Homebrew, I guess, is what. what yeah, but, so homebrew rules or homebrew setting? Setting. Setting okay. primarily. Maybe so still using 5E. But, yeah, okay. I don't know about the ladies, but I'm considering having Tony teaching me some GM stuff at some point. Father-in-law, who does it online. Fair. I'm sure you would help me, right? <laughs> I Absolutely. And really, the, the biggest lesson is trust yourself and find your own voice and know that half the stuff a GM does, they're making up on the spot and just go with it. Heather, any plans for you? Have you thought about GMing? Are you? I thought about doing a homebrew. And I had it all set up, and it was a school of magic, and it had four houses. And I'm like, wow, that's Harry Potter. <laughs> so that's that's fine. If you have a bunch of people that would enjoy that experience, go for it. I mean, J.K. Rowling's not going to show up at your house and sue you. If it's just, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to publish it, I would say don't do that. But if you're just playing with a group of friends, there's no harm in that at all. How has your relationship with the rules changed? We'll start with Heather with this one. I imagine, I'm going to guess, I'm going to give you a partial answer, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. I imagine when you first started, you didn't know the rules at all, and they said, here, roll this die. Here, roll this die. And now, it's been six months later, has that changed? And by the way, people can't hear you when you nod your head. So, um, (laughs) sometimes I know what dice to roll. Uh, I write them down next to my spells and attacks, honestly, just so I know which dice to roll. So, I mean, have you picked up the books? Do you read the player's handbook? Anything like that? We gave our player's handbook to our GM as a gift, so we don't have it anymore. (laughs) Your birthday's coming up. Good to know. Birthday isn't until November. That's fine. Yeah, it's May. Oh, yeah, right. Well, like, I knew basic things, so it was fascinating for me to learn why I was rolling certain things and have it explained, like, okay, this is how you get this attribute, or this is how you do combat. So that was, um, yeah, that was different. So I will say, if you're thinking about picking up the GM mantle, uh, mastery of the rules is kind of important because no one wants to sit there while the GM picks up a rule book and flips through it. So you learn to either A, know the rules, or B, make up a rule on the spot and just go with it, keep the game going. Uh, Our game manager has to do that a lot. (laughs) We throw curveballs at him all the time. Are you playing the same characters that you started with? Mm-hmm. No, you're not. Oh, You started out with Finley, but we have a puppy named Finley, and so when our dream would be like, Finley, 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 our 40-pound swimmer spaniel would be like, what? Was it the same character, just with a new name, or did you make a whole new character? New name, but different race. All right. So is it like a retcon thing? Did, like, did you retire the old character and this one came in, or did we just say, this, what's the new character's name? Reno. So did we just say 
Finley's always been named Reno, and he's all, or like, it's an actual character swap out. Okay, Finley is a strange, um, he's a murloc race, which is like a fish person. Okay. And so him and Reno were friends. They were in a party. And Reno is one who taught him English and all kinds of other things. So I just basically swapped and made a story for Reno. But no one's no one's lost a character in combat yet. No, not yet. I think he's intentionally doing it so we don't lose a character in combat because it's our first time. There's a thing called session zero, and it's before you roll the characters. And so some groups actually say our characters will not die. That's not my style of play, but I get why they do it. So again, throw no shade there. But my thought is, if there's no chance of me dying, why are we rolling all these dice? Just say what happened, right? But that's my, like I said, that's my point. Okay, Heather, what was your most memorable moment? So we were fighting this guy, and he was really weak. I went up, I took his wand, and I play a bard. They have magic or whatever. But like this wand, you have to be very intentional. And because I don't use a lot of my magic so far, I wanted to cast something at him, and they came out as rubber duckies. But I traded wands with Keith because this wand was stronger. But yeah, we've been begging for a rubber ducky army, and I finally got it. And they're animated rubber duckies? I have these little rubber duckies in the GM. Like, literally dumped them over the <laughs> guy who were fighting. So there's this... Uh... You've heard me say Munchkin before. Yeah. Lots of times. That's from this old document called Real Men, Real Role Players, Loonies and Munchkins. And so we, we joke about the Munchkin thing a lot. That right there, that's that's the loony style. <laughs> so, Keith, what about you? What's your most memorable moment? GM gave me Fireball too early. <laughs> so I've been taking advantage of that. He said, I'm not going to take it back. Uh, he had created this boss, not like, you know, real crazy, but it was unique. It was creative. And I killed it in one hit. Oh, nice. <laughs> like I'm really lucky. So does he do the uh, volume thing with the fireball? Um, what would that be? So in the old rules, actually, so probably, actually, maybe I'm going to have to look it up to see if it's there, been there from the beginning. But at least in first edition ad d it was very specific about how much volume a fireball would take up. And so if you cast it in like a little 10 by 10 room, it's going to blow out mm-hmm. and fill up the hallway like where you're casting it from. Mm-hmm. And so does he do that? A little. A little. We pay right. attention to the, I was, we were outside. Okay. But I just, I just destroy this guy. All right. A funny moment in our most recent battle is we were fighting skeletons and um, we really weakened one and his arm fell off and I took that arm and I ended up killing the skeleton with his own arm. And Keith uh, looked at our GM and was like, keep that. <laughs> so now Keith in his inventory mm-hmm. has a skeleton hand to use as a weapon. All right. Do you think it's easier or more challenging having your real life spouse at the table with you? He's my emotional support husband. It's easier. All right. Right, no hesitation at all. Nice answer. I like that. Nice. Keith, by the way, you're going to sound like a total butthead if you say anything bad now. Actually, she just gave such a wonderful and perfect answer. No pressure. So is it easier or harder having your real-life spouse at the table? I'll say the con first is what we've already talked about. The look she gives me. She didn't just say anything. I know. Can you please take your turn? But other than that, I mean, it is, it's more relaxing to know that 
obviously someone I'm close to is enjoying it. And I don't have to worry about a stranger. I'd rather have her rushing me than someone else. <laughs> All right. Uh, and seeing that you're married, how are your characters related, if at all? They're not. They're not. They're not. And not well, if nothing else, they're like friends, right? That's a relationship, yeah. right? And how do they get along? Do your they characters get along. get along better than you do? Not as well as you do? Any in-party fighting? No, our party's been not fighting. All right. Not yet, anyways. Have any in-game conflicts between your characters ever spilled out into a real-world conflict? Um, not at this point. What happens at the table stays at the table. Nice. <laughs> That's probably pretty true. Nice. Do you have any advice for other couples that are interested in getting together? I mean, what she says is pretty good. Leave everything at the table if possible. Um, especially, like, like you could talk about the game and all that, but it, the emotional part of it, you know, being upset isn't healthy, of course. I think it would have been fun to have us be married in the game, but that might have been what would cause the conflict. <laughs> well, not only that, then it would have been weird. Would she have been married to Finley or to Reno? I don't know. See? And, I don't know what but, would happen. Actually, I think what you said is excellent advice, and I think that's not even just for spouses, but for friends that play in all gaming groups. You know, the characters are the characters. We are the people. And, uh, yeah. So the other question I'm going to ask do you have any advice for anyone starting up gaming anew? Have fun with it. Don't bog yourself down with the rules. Do create a personality or your character. That way you know where you're going with the game. Like, my character likes to cause mass chaos for the enemy. And so I do ridiculous things to hit the enemy. And I really, really like vicious mock mockery. I love vicious mockery. I would say... Either find a GM that you already know, or one who is patient. I think that's everything I had to ask. Is there anything else anyone else wanted to say? Oh, I would also say for new players, don't be afraid to be creative. Because yeah. you never know what the DM GM is going to agree to. I weaponized my back backpipe, so you can shoot arrows at people, and it's been a pretty effective attack. Well, thank you both for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. That We're going to wrap this up for this week. Please uh, feel free to send feedback. It's feedback at decahedron.com. Decahedron is spelled with a K. Uh, you can call the line. All that information is in the outro music that you're about to hear. It's in the show notes if you read those, or it's at decahedron.com. And if you want to leave feedback for Keith or Heather, I will make sure that they get it. Again, thanks for listening. And until next week, bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Decahedron RPG cast. We'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message by calling 562-774-2278. That's 562-RPG-CAST. Or by visiting sayhi.chat slash Decahedron. You can also email us at feedback at Decahedron.com. Links are in the show notes. For more information, visit Decahedron.com. Remember that Decahedron is spelled with a K. Music is by Kevin McLeod. Logo is by Design Cat. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep those dice rolling.